Howdy there, folks, and welcome to The Random Men, where two experts and nothing talk about everything. There's something about live music that just hits a little harder, shines a little brighter, and tastes a little sweeter. When certain artists or bands are on the stage, there's a kind of bond that forms between a room full of strangers. If only for a few moments, and then it's gone. But it's very, very real. So if you had a magic concert ticket that could let you catch a performance from any artist in any decade, who would you choose? And that, my friends, is the theme of today's conversation. So get ready, because today, two random men discuss the musicians we wish we could have seen. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We personally use Podbean to host this show, The Random Men. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app to your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Y'all go check it out. So with the passing of Meatloaf last week is really what brought up this discussion that we're going to be having. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a great. That Another was... Great. That one was rough. You know, for me, that was... Like, personally, that hit me hard because I've oh. been a huge fan of Meatloaf for a long, long time. You had Meatloaf songs in your wedding. So, yes. I danced and sang pretty much an unchoreographed <laughs> version of... You took the words right out of my mouth at our wedding. So much very, very near and dear. My my wedding my my marriage was almost over that same night. Liz is looking <laughs> at me like I married this guy. Too much meatloaf. Oh man. No, uh, hell, we used to do meatloaf at karaoke all the time. Not well. So I remember, uh, but we gave it our best shot. We still can't do meatloaf justice on karaoke. That's true. He's yeah. being us. There I remember being younger and. Uh, I guess you would say MTV in the heyday when they were really focused on music. At least when they were still playing um, blocks of music videos. Of course, I Would Do Anything for Love came out. Oh, yeah, and hit hard. Hit hard. And, like, that was even still the condensed version because the original version is like 12 minutes long or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here came this song that was like, I know Meatloaf had been around a long time, but I had never heard of Meatloaf. I'd never heard another song of his, really. Uh, but then sitting there watching that video and listening to that song, I was like, what the hell is this? Immediately made you want to dive in deeper. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, this is crazy. This, that was, what, 93? So 90, I was yeah. I was six, seven years old. And I was still like, this is crazy. What like, is this mini movie? Yeah. And then, yeah, the movie, of course, it, it was directed by Michael Bay. Did you know that? You know? You think oh, about it. I Yeah. Because I watched the video right after I heard, you, went, you know, had one of those nights of... Anytime an artist like that passes away, you know they're... You do a montage night. Their albums are going to blow yep. up, being downloaded and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to sit out in, in the garage and just listen to Meatloaf and have a couple beers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And yeah, watch the... The video. Anything for Love video. And yes, completely. It has it, Michael Bay vibes. The yeah, opening it's, The opening scene, scene on the motorcycle makes me think of an Armageddon when they're hunting down uh, Michael Clark Duncan's character. When they're yeah, trying when the police are trying to arrest yeah. him. Trying to get everybody. He's on the motorcycle. But then the end looks just like a scene out of Transformers where they're driving off in the sunset. It was like this is this is amazing. The camera angles and everything in the when they're in the mausoleum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is not surprising. I did not know that, but I'm not surprised that that is a Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. Early, early in the career, I guess. 
and you know they kind of did it as like a mashup of Phantom of the Opera meets Beauty and the Beast type thing. Mm-hmm. I can see um, that. Which I guess that's kind of in itself pretty similar anyway. Um, whoa. <laughs> yeah, you can't think about it, like, whoa, wait a minute. Epiphany. Anyway, uh, then I remember when I got a little bit older, going to Walmart one day, and when they still had like all the albums like laid out in that big display case where you can see them. When, this was before they started carrying vinyl. I think this was back before we even had a super Walmart. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I remember going over there and digging around and I found a CD that was Meatloaf, the original Bad Out of Hell album. And I bought it. That was, you know, for me, I only had like 10 bucks on me and like kind of a big purchase for me at that time. But hey, you know, I went and bought it and I still have it. And I still listen to it. That's rare. I had my, remember CD cases? Yeah. The Trapper Keeper's full of them. Mm-hmm. I had one mm-hmm. stole out of my truck that had everything oh. I had collected for years. And this was, you know, way back in the 2001, maybe, uh, something like, like that. That's like us, and I'm sure a lot of people out there would relate to, like, that's like losing a very cherished thing. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of albums in there, cover mm-hmm. to cover. Mm-hmm. And I lost everything. George Strait collections and all my Metallica and, oh. and everything. It made me sick. That was about the time Napster was starting, though, so it was like, I, I think I can... It's not the same. It's not <laughs> the same, same mixtapes. <laughs> I, can, I can get those songs back, I guess. I can get it back, but to your but, point, Bad Out of Hell is one of those that, from cover to cover, from start to finish, you can listen through the whole album, and it's fantastic. Every it, song hits... It just seems like one of those, like, you kind of lose yourself in it. It's and, a story book. Well, I mean, yeah, everything is so theatrical, and I don't want to say overblown in a negative way, but... It kind of is like everything's just so monumental with everything. Yeah, but the, the rock guitars, the rock drums, the mm-hmm. operatic uh, composure of it, of course, it, it was Meat's not voice much like it. Was, you know, unlike anything we'll probably ever see again. But then with all the backup singers that he had, and he would like feature these ones, like they would have like big parts in all these different songs. Mm-hmm. And just, man, musically, holy moly, him and uh, Steinman put together some crazy, crazy stuff. And so, did Simon come back for Bad Out of Hell too? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they came back. They got together one last time to do Bad Out of Hell three. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a it's a crazy, very important part of music history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I still think the original Bad Out of Hell album I think is like one of in the, the top ten highest selling of all time. Yeah, and Which, to be something that's very niche, that's not. Yeah, there's not yeah. a lot like it. It's not like it was pop or it was regular if rock I and told roll. You, or, you know, ten artists that had the highest selling albums in the top, you know, top ten list. Most people probably aren't going to think Meatloaf is going to be in that list. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I do. So pretty crazy. That's a historical music thing, I think. So yeah, the passing of Meatloaf. That was rough. I got it on vinyl, and there is something about a vinyl record. Hell, oh y'all, yeah, y'all got me us the record player. Yeah, and yeah, that was one of the first ones I got a hold of. <laughs> I went to not like buying it or ordering. I went to an estate sale and I got an original Thriller ah. too at the same estate sale. They didn't know what they had. Sweet. And uh, Rumors by Fleetwood Mac and mm-hmm. a bunch of 1999 prints that had just been sitting. Yeah, I'm sitting here late. They were over well there. You got a, a milk carton case. <laughs> yeah. Milk crate. Milk crate. Of, <laughs> full of just vinyl. Yeah, they had been taken well care of, so uh, they all played just fine, and there was something about sitting there listening to those albums. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are... I got a couple of good live albums over there, too, and that's kind of what we're talking about today, is 
live performances. These artists that not just great on tape, but that put on a hell of a show. And for one reason or another, going into this, we got to make it perfectly clear that these are our opinions and choices. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. trying to push that on anybody else, but these are a couple that we were just thinking of um, after losing meat that we wish we could have seen from any any decade. It doesn't have to be somebody that in our lifetime, but a couple of them, we'll go back and forth with who would you have liked to caught and why? Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's um, a few of them that we're, we're not taking away from some of these other artists, but like everybody, you would say Elvis, oh, we, the Beatles, uh We set Queen. stipulations on yeah. this before we started that like, you can't just say Queen and Prince and Meatloaf, say. Yeah. You know. Just because, like I said, most people would, would throw that in there. So we're trying to pull some ones that are a little bit different than maybe some people wouldn't think of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other I'm not going to say obscure, but, you know. David Bowie. Yeah. James Brown. Led Zeppelin. Hendrix. Those are always Hendrix. They're always going to be at the Stevie top Ray. of everybody's list. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, what are some what are some other ones that you would think of? I have one here that's kind of a cheater that would probably be on the list now. But uh, I'm going to go with it anyway. Well, and... Uh, before we dive into some of these other groups, I know we had kind of hit on earlier when we were kind of getting started with this, uh, with, you know, everybody has their own taste in music, and that's fine. That's, that's you know, your thing. Some people only listen to, you know, pop or country or something like that. We're kind of different from some people, I guess, because we do really listen to everything. The more you talk to people, the more you do find, especially nowadays. Everybody uh, has a... Pretty good. Everybody's got a wide array of yeah. liking everything because everything we, I mean, recorded music, at least for major consumption, has mm-hmm. really only been around a little over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. There's been recorded music before that, but I mean, for mass, how you could talk about things like Beatlemania, where everybody could get their hands on it. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, about a hundred years, or they give or take. Mass produce this recording. So to f- yeah, yeah. So from where it all started, when you really did have like genre music and this is all we do mm-hmm. to now, especially not just pop, but it's kind of filtered into everything else. I mean, even rock has some pop elements now, most of the time and, and pop definitely takes from everything. Look, yeah. co- country is pop now for a lot of the artists. Mm-hmm. There are still some down home artists, but everything kind of bled over. Yeah. So it's not out of the realm of, of believing it to be easy that, People work in the same way. Mm-hmm. We've all been exposed to it more than if you grew up in the mountains of Appalachia and all you heard was that kind of music. Mm-hmm. That's all you knew, and everything else kind of sounded foreign. And well, what is? I don't, I don't dig that. That's not what we listen to. Now you can consume from the little device in your pocket any genre you want at any time, almost any song. Well, and you think too, uh, not to get too much into music history, but I guess it is a good thing to, to go and bring it up. Um, over the years, you had these different points where people were doing stuff that seemed so outlandish for what they're doing right now. I mean, like when Elvis came out and was doing the hip shaking and stuff, the Beatles and the Stones doing their kind of stuff. And you had, you know, rock music really got started and you had all these different genres that were splitting up. And every time you talk about like when that kind of music started coming around, these artists started doing this. There was those people like, well, what is this kind of music like? That's not, you know, real music. That's, you know, crazy just sounds, well, you know. It- it was all stolen from something that came before, especially talking about an artist like Elvis. Yeah. I love Elvis. Elvis mm-hmm. would have been at the very top of my list if we hadn't had the stipulations we had put on there. Mm-hmm. I would have to see Elvis Presley. No secret where his style and genre of music came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it started off it with all the gospel. It came from black artists. But then it and went gospel to, yep. and rock and mm-hmm. R&B. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there was always somebody doing it before. 
I don't think you could really delve into any one style or not even necessarily a style, but maybe even a certain part of a style that you could really find who originally did that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe some music historians that are way smarter and way n- n- more knowledgeable than we are, but... As a musician, and we'll use that term lightly for ourselves, <laughs> musicians... <laughs> Very lightly. You play the kind of music that you listen to mm-hmm. or are exposed to. So everything comes from something else. You don't just wake up in your bed magically one day and go, I've got a new style of music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, this. you're I'm, still from a little bit of the I'm melting gonna, pot. You know, alter it just a little bit to make it my style or whatever. And somebody else <laughs> might hear that song that I did and be like, oh, I really like that. But I would have done this just a little bit different or, you know, whatever. That's just how music grows. Okay. Before okay. we stray too far, let's not knock a couple out. We'll get back into our music. Uh, <laughs> Music theories <laughs> later on, but I think we owe it to, to everybody to at least drop one here yep. pretty quick. I'm going with the Temptations. I'm saying okay. if I had to catch an era of Temptations, I have that magic ticket to catch one show. I'm doing the Classic Five with uh, Ruffin and Kendricks yeah, and, and switching off and, you know, My Girl and Ain't Too Proud to Beg, um, Just My Imagination, that, that era. Mm-hmm. Would have loved to have seen that. Now... It's crazy because there was a lot of Motown artists doing the same style. A lot of them doing the same songs before, but when it was handed over to the Temptations, it just hit different, man. It was electric. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, Papa Was a Rolling Stone came out earlier. The year it was released by the Temptations, it came out earlier in the year by a group called the Undisputed Truth and went into like the mid-60s range on the charts. Later on that year, but not the number one, you know, huge, huge thing. that They handed over to the Temptations, which everybody thinks it's originally one of theirs. And it wasn't. And boom, shot to number one. And now it's a staple of Temptations uh, catalog. Yeah. Yeah. But some of those songs, man, just. Oh, man, you can't have Temptations playing on anything, whether it's one song or a whole album or what. And not just be happy and singing along with it, and mm-hmm. maybe even dance a little bit, and like man. Well, this no, is, I'm talking about even the, like the live show. Like we're talking about going oh, to see yeah. that live show with them on stage. Oh man, the electricity yeah, that in that crowd, the natural. When you listen to live recordings, they're just as. There was none of this shit of they sound different live. It mm-hmm. was it was, freaking stellar and yeah. elevated, and I really liked the switching up lead singers. Also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I find that badass. Yeah, uh, with. Like I said, with Eddie Kendricks being able to do the the high falsettos and the way you do the things you do and just my imagination, it hits different. And then David Ruffin, uh, there's a great one that I love called I Wish It Would Rain. Mm-hmm. If you haven't ever heard that one, go check that out. I think I've heard it. You probably have, it's, yeah. but it's not one of those, my girl, just my imagination. Mm-hmm. But yeah, listen mm-hmm. to I Wish It Would Rain, hell of a heartbreak song, and you can hear... The pain in his voice. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but and to be able to see that kind of stuff live, man, with the yeah. with the dancing, the choreography, the sharp suits, I mean, that would have been a hell of a time and place to be able to catch that. Yeah. And then later on, when they get into the the uh, what was it? It wasn't. I think it was called psychedelic R and B or something. When they were doing uh, Papa Was a Rolling Stone and like I'm Losing You with mm-hmm. the big band sounds. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have seen the same show with the original five, so I'd have to go with the classic five. But yeah, but still, man, one of those, and you'd be sitting there. They kept making good music. Yeah, one of those that you would sit there and listen to a forty-five minute set, and most likely, especially mm-hmm. nowadays, you know, if we could be, you know, transported, transported back in whatever, we would know every song. Mm-hmm. 
and be singing along and just having a blast with. So, yep, I, so, yeah, that's a great one. And these are in no particular order, but on my yeah. list, here's your magic ticket. Go catch a show. I'm catching Temptations. Cool. I'm down with that one. I think that would be on fire, buddy. I'm going to go a little bit different here. And like you said, this is a no order. We're not following genres mm-hmm. or anything. We're just kind of throwing them out there. But one to me that I always thought would have been just, man, amazing to go see them. Motorhead. Lemmy and the Boys? Yep. And see, I, I part of that is a little more personal for me as a bass player. Yeah. And so still to this day, dude, I mean, I know there there are so many phenomenal musicians, you know, in the in the world and have lived, but Lemmy's style of bass playing, to me, just it it was one of those you ever heard the term like you listen to a song and that just makes you want to drive fast? Yes. Yeah. That was everything Motorhead. It's did aggressive. It just it's aggressive. It's in hard. the best it's, ways. But yeah, but it's it's just you dig it, man. And uh, a bunch of songs that they did. You know, some people might not know them. Everybody knows uh, Ace of Spades. That's one. Yeah, it's on my playlist for if yeah, I'm working much. out. Ace of Spades is on there. Um, of course, and they kind of had a resurgence uh, a little bit later on because of pro wrestling, because Triple H started using the game as his intro music. Yes. And he even said that he... Oh, in the Attitude Era. That his kind of early on, Triple H actually kind of tried to mimic Lemmy. That's why like he had the chops and everything. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I think pretty much every time that he had an intro song, it was a Motorhead song. So they kind of got a resurgence that. because of the wrestling, and it kind of became a, a thing where then like there was a couple of WrestleManias where like the main theme would be a Motorhead song and stuff like that. So it's like, it's crazy to think like, oh man... You know, it's kind of funny that wrestling got them kind of like said a, a second wind. I guess yeah, you'd say. and and for like an obscure. Even scene. though I mean they were recording up till like I think they did their last album like a year or two before Lemmy and Phil died. So which I, you said a minute ago about the the lineups, right? So lineups changing and yeah, the Motorhead was one which of those happens the, in bands yeah, if you're not yeah, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, and I mean the for Motorhead it changed up here and there. Lemmy was always the front man, but uh, the one that everybody kind of takes as the main lineup was Lemmy, uh, Filthy Phil, and Fast Eddie. And most most of the time, Motorhead was just a three piece band. And that's a, a lot of sound of yeah. coming out of a three piece band. Yeah, man, and uh, everybody. Everybody's probably seen whether they recognize it from being Motorhead, but everybody's seen like the the skull, like mm-hmm. the boar head skull with the tusks and everything coming out. Actually, it was supposed to be like a bear mixed with a wolf mixed with a dog, <laughs> and then it had the boar teeth, or yeah, the boar tusks coming out, and was on pretty much every you know everything they did somehow. And his name was Snaggletooth. That was the name of the mascot. Aww. Was Snaggletooth. <laughs> but then to think about how heavy everything was and very crunchy. Uh, I don't say raw because there was a lot of effects on it, but just it sounded like fast and aggressive. Um, Let me always said that he actually kind of felt that they associated their style of music kind of associated more with like punk than metal. I can dig that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But then you listen to any of their stuff and then there's the song 1916. It's just Lemmy singing with an organ behind it, and eventually a violin comes in. And they got, like, the uh, army beat, because the whole song's about, um, like, a young man going to the military, going on to war, and stuff like that. And it's like, this song is very 
powerful, emotional, sad, and to hear that in an arena after they just did Ace of Spades. Yeah. Dude, that would give you chills, man. That yes. would be, oh my gosh, like to listen to 45 minutes of just awesome, fast-paced, heavy, 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 and then to have something so surreal and so just deep. Yeah. Like yeah. that come in, it's like, oh, Yeah, because when you said that... Motorhead, I'm thinking like the whole show is going to be yeah. just balls uh, to the wall, man. Punch to the throat, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so to have, like I said, to, to think of like listening to like the game or Ace of Spades or something like that in a stadium, and then they go into 1916, oh, man, yeah, that would be one of the experiences like, oh, dude, this is this is just crazy. I think, yeah, what you're touching on kind of seems, with the theme of going into live music, how you, you can listen to something in your room, in your car, by yourself, and it speaks to you, but in an arena full of people or even a small venue full of people, mm-hmm. with, with that energy, the synergy, the connection between all everybody standing there is very primal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a different kind of thing. I haven't been able to catch a live show in a long time. I haven't done And many. it's something I really miss. Of course, you know, of course COVID kind of screwed up a lot of that. Well, yeah. Even before that, didn't really get a chance yeah. to go do a whole lot of live shows. But I do miss that standing in a crowd. Uh, Dave Grohl has a great expression on it where he says that when he sings a song and I'm paraphrasing here, mm-hmm. When he sings a song to 50,000 people, it's awesome for them to be singing back to him the same lyrics he wrote for 50,000 different reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of music in general and really the live show essence, I think, is that I, I love this song that they're playing for a whole different reason than you do. But like I said earlier, there's an electricity in the crowd mm-hmm. and that can't be replicated. That's why they talk about that artist high of you can get high on a bunch of different drugs, but there's nothing like being on stage in front of a room full of people that you have their attention and the power, the force of it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like nothing else in the world that you can experience unless you've been an entertainer. Well, I know me and you, yeah. like Maybe we, a pro athlete, but definitely an entertainer. We've never got to do you know anything crazy like that, like you know big, huge shows. But I mean, we played to some crowds that were four or five, maybe even 600 people. And yeah, that was one of those things, like when we're playing and everybody's into it and feeling it and just having a good time and you're like man this is ah oh, yeah it is totally intoxicating like man to, uh, to to make people to make people enjoy what you're doing like you are just giving them joy by this goofy skill that you have to bang away on a couple of strings or drums yeah. or whatever you know what i mean it's man i can't say it's all percussion <laughs> but for live show you well, got to give it to percussion and bass. You know, yeah. we always said that the drums and the bass were always the heartbeat. You know, just saying. <laughs> well, think about it like this. That electric guitar, that lead singer, they're leading it, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're taking you there. But you can start off with just percussion and already have that energy building in the room. Before the lyrics come in, before the guitars come in, just with a bass or a drum beat. I mean, think about think about being in an arena when a... John Bonham went into when the levee breaks. Oh yeah, you know, mm. right there it automatically starts building. It's building. It's mm. building. It's in your heart. It's in your blood. It's in your bones. That's live. That's live music. Mm-hmm. When you can feel the vibrations in your chest, that's my yes. thing. Like we can feel it. Um, you said uh, Dave Grohl, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in front of you and do another one real fast. Okay. Um, did you know that Dave Grohl was asked by Tom Petty to join the Heartbreakers? After I did everything not. with Nirvana went down? I did not. Yes. and Power groups. 
uh, he he finally decided, no, I think I'm going to do my own thing. I've already started kind of writing, doing whatever, which it worked out good for him <laughs> in the long oh, run. So this was right before Foo Fighters when yep, Nirvana before, was yep. over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so my next one, uh, even though some people are probably going, oh, he's going to go to Nirvana now. No, Tom Petty. Uh, Nirvana's another one of those ones on the list that we kind of talked about, like, hey, yep. everybody knows Nirvana. Okay, yes, by all means, you know, praise to them, but... My next one for one that would love to see a live show, Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. You hear about those Tom Petty shows where there would be a grassy knoll of people. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was a vibe. That was a vibe. Yeah, refugee, free falling, learning to fly, uh, running down a dream. Uh, waiting is the hardest part. It was always one of my favorites. I love that one. I mean, there's so many good songs. So many of them. And to hear any one of those live, man, to me, would be, be pretty stellar. Like you said, the sitting on the grassy knoll or something like that and just listen to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers or even Tom Petty just, you know, when he did his solo stuff. Man, that's a a show I I would have loved to have got to see. Yes, another one of those. Every song is badass and you know the lyrics to it. You're feeling it, even if you don't know all the lyrics to it. And you know know enough to get you through. One of the things about Tom Petty that was always kind of cool was he was one of those, not the first because plenty of people have done it, but... uh, he was really big into artists having full control and being able to do basically their own creative control over things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really big into like, no, I'm not going to do that because you said I needed to do it or that's how you think it needs to be. No, I'm, I'm doing my own thing and artists should be allowed to do it the way they feel it needs to be done. Yeah. Which I guess he was doing that before Prince came along mm-hmm. and uh, an advocate for that. We're not just your, Dancing monkeys, like, we, yeah, we have control over this. Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, now it's kind of, it still happens. I mean, obviously, we we hear stories, you know, about, you know, stuff that happened with Taylor Swift, stuff with Britney Spears, you know, hear these things that, you know, happened okay. with them. You but, hear about music plants all the time that it's like, this is your look, this is your mm-hmm, sound. Mm-hmm, well, I don't mm-hmm. really feel like doing that. Well, it's what you're going to do because we're paying the bills. So, unfortunately, it's still, a, it's you know, it's still around, but, like, yeah, Tom was one of those big ones, like, nope. If if you want this to be good, if you want real music, then the artist needs to be able to do what he feels he needs to do, which pretty cool. I mean, like I said, again, not that we ever you know hit any any kind of super <laughs> no. high like that, but yeah, no, I can see what you're saying. It's super easy for them to chirp. anytime money's involved. Mm-hmm. That's when you break up good bands mm-hmm. after you know one or two awesome albums, and they pull the front man aside and say, "Hey, man, why why don't you have all the creative control when they're really pulling the puppet strings?" But you need to lose these guys because it's hard to defeat a team. So, it's easy to manipulate one person. So, yeah, I could definitely see Tom Petty being one of those guys that says, hell no, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to record it this way. If you don't like it, too bad. Damn, I keep, we keep going into recording. We're talking about live shows, yeah. but I think the but passion still, I mean, for yeah, the music. The passion for the thing, yeah. I mean, he was, hey, give props because, like I said, you wouldn't have the live shows well, that you had if see, you didn't have him. We can justify it in that you listen to it on album first before you go to the show. More than likely, yeah. unless you just catch somebody that you happenstance upon mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a badass show but even then you can't appreciate it because you don't know their songs yep <laughs> so we're, we're safe there yep all right then moving on i'm going to go into my cop-out one okay. of of artist slash bands i would have liked to have seen live i know this one's gonna everybody's gonna roll their eyes come on man but I've, i gotta i gotta say it one i would have really 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 loved to see live eagles hmm Okay. No, I mean, have you had a rough day and you hate the fucking Eagles? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I always thought that line was kind of funny in Lebowski because it's like, who hates the Eagles? <laughs> a lot of people actually. Really? Man. Yeah. But 
here's what I found. Like I had an appreciation for music uh, uh, from the Eagles, and I know it's Eagles, but I'm going to say the Eagles. Deal with it. Um, it's our show. <laughs> now, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels like this, but the older I get, the more I appreciate Eagles music. Hey, I'm not going to knock you for anything that. And you I'm like. sorry to catch oh. like to catch them in the in the '70s would have been badass, but to be there for the Hell Freezes Over tour, the reunion tour where they hadn't been together in like a decade and they just played all the hits, uh-huh. man, that would have been chill inducing. That yeah. Hmm. Well, to think of listening to that live with those guitars and those vocals. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. Again, and I know I'm beating this dead horse, but one of those where every song you know, it's from yep. start to finish, whether it was an hour or two hours, not just Hotel California, right? Everybody oh. knows Hotel California. Yeah. It's like yeah. me loves anything for love. Yeah. But running down a list, man, take it easy, peaceful, easy feeling. Witchy Woman, right? Mm-hmm. Take It Easy's been redone and Peaceful Easy Feeling by countless artists. True. Seven Bridges Road. I think I think really most of these people that we're going to talk about, people have redone their... Oh, absolutely. Every yeah, song yeah, on yeah, their, yeah. like I said, in their catalog. We were talking about Motorhead a minute ago. They would do like entire like LPs and stuff like that that was just them covering stuff just yeah. to do it for fun. We wouldn't not. have yeah. Metallica if we hadn't had Motorhead. Yeah, there you go. And that's something Hetfield said. But yeah, uh, back to the Eagles. Seven Bridges Road. If you're a fan of country, country rock, southern rock, and you have more than one or two singers, up to three, maybe four in your band or in your group of people that hang out and pick and play, you've all tried that vocal harmony. Oh, yeah. Everybody has. Oh, yeah. Standing around a fire. Let's try to do the intro to Seven Bridges Road and see how... Much we can. I think there's been a couple of nights up. where uh, me and you and a couple of guys we played with would sit there and have a few to drink and me attempt it. <laughs> you and I and Kale have sat around many, many, many times with whoever was the fourth person in the circle and just let's do it again. Let's, let's it again. do it again. Let's have another shot and do it again because we'll be better after more yep. shots. Yep. And yep. we were to us. <laughs> Desperado. Hmm. That's one of those that hearing that live would be chilling. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. Um, if you're a really deep dive Eagles fan, I'm not telling you anything new here. But you know, the Eagles were Linda Ronstadt's backing band. I had heard that. They were her band. And she, they wanted to do their own band, and she was really the one that pushed them rather than being how you would think maybe a, a lead singer would be more threatening to the band. Egotistical. Egotistical, uh, yeah, I'm the yeah. show. Ronstadt was not that at all. And she was like, you are too good to be, you, y'all are so good together yeah, that you have to go do this. And she would let them practice in her house. Hmm. Which That's must, cool. can you imagine being there in that time and place coming in with the Eagles oh, practicing their sets? By Linda Ronstadt and then Linda Ronstadt's just sitting over there being as beautiful as beautiful could ever be. <laughs> I got a big crush on Linda Ronstadt. I had some friends give me a shirt because I wanted a Ronstadt shirt. They had one custom made. <laughs> big nice. crush on Linda Ronstadt. But yeah, so... I think they had put out their first two albums, and then she did a cover of Desperado in 1973. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought attention to the band being so good. And after that was when they blew up. We used to cover Best of My Love in that's a true. lot of sets. That's just doing true. it acoustic. Yep. Yep. We would do Best of My Love, mm-hmm. and it would always mm-hmm. hit mm-hmm. wherever we were playing it. Um, already Gone, Tequila oh, yeah. Sunrise, Victim of Love, Funky Ass Guitars, Don Fielder, Joe Walsh. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. If you want to have another good a good time with another guitar playing friend of yours, get together and do Victim of Love. Mm. That is swampy. Love that song. <laughs> um, swampy. The heartache tonight. It's gonna be a oh, heartache dude. tonight. I yeah. can't tell you how many times I've jammed that. Lion Eyes. Imagine seeing Lion Eyes performed live mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by the fellas. That's one of those where the whole crowd's singing back, and it's just quiet enough where it probably was haunting with everybody singing that. Uh, Take it to the limit. Uh, I saw one. I know they they did it many times, but I watched uh, a special they had done on Hell Am I Been MTV or something. Anyway, it was just an acoustic one, and to listen to them just doing an acoustic show would have been oh yeah oh man just. Yeah, their cover the Hotel California acoustic mm-hmm. cover is, oh, or not acoustic cover because it's their damn song. Their acoustic version, <laughs> yeah, of Hotel California. I can do it any way I want to, <laughs> man. Yeah, badass. Yeah, then uh, Randy Meisner singing "Take It to the Limit," mm-hmm. which he hated. I can't remember what documentary I watched, but I think that was the one that drove him out of the band. Is because they "Take It to the Limit." Became a huge hit. And yeah. he did not like to sing it live, especially because the end bars uh, where he's having to uh, sing them real high falsettos. He's doing, yeah, like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, he didn't want to do it night after night. And it'd come to that part and he would either just not sing it. And then Glenn Fry would get fucking irate because he would just <laughs> not do that part and be like, point it at the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Put, put the microphone at the crowd and be like, <laughs> do, yeah, do the Bon Jovi, yeah. uh, live it out of prayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, sorry. And that uh, kind of thing, it's gotten big. To my understanding, big uh, big to do over that, and he didn't want to do it anymore. Hmm. Yep. Um, Life in the fast lane, and then one of those nights. Yeah, another one. Like I said, just so many good songs. That, you go and just listen. Forty-five minutes. When you have that mix, which of, would only be like three of their songs, but one wanted to be country. <laughs> one wanted to, what the? <laughs> You're like I'm gonna Shut sit your down. mouth. For 10 minutes and watch Meatloaf and get through half a song. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's because it was a production. That's true. That's true. Yes. And that's a production on stage would have been, woo boy. But yeah. Um, what I'm saying about the Eagles was just that mixture of all the right elements were there. One wanted to rock. One wanted to be country. One wanted to do more uh, funky stuff. And it, it was just, a super band in itself. Yeah. That's why you got so many... It's kind of like how the Stones have always been able to roll along and change. Reinvent and, themselves. And, and, and morph. Yeah, yeah. And, but still always retain that sound where when it comes on, you know it's a Rolling Stones song. The Eagles are very much in the same vein. I agree. I agree. Where whatever you're feeling, whether you want a heartbreak song or uh, something to drive to, like we said earlier, mm-hmm. you said earlier, mm-hmm. they've got it. And they've got a damn good one. Oh, yeah. So that goes up there. I hope it's not a cop-out too much of, man, you said the Eagles. It's like, come on, that would have been... That would have been great. A dream. That would have been, yeah. I got one that's kind of simple. Not going to get into it too much because if you've ever heard him, you know, and this is kind of funny because this is going to be the only one on my list that I wish I could have seen live that wasn't a singer. Randy Rhodes, one of the greatest guitar players ever. And I mean, I know like we had said something about, you know, some of the other ones like Hendrix and Stevie Ray and guys like that, that were phenomenal, you know, musicians. And they also sang, most of them didn't want to do the singing, but they were just kind of thrown into it mm-hmm. because, you know, what they were I'll doing. I'll do it. Nobody else is going to do it. I'll do it myself. But, you know, Randy was, you know, just a guitar and by God, one of the best ever. I mean, his stuff with Quiet Riot was great. His stuff with Ozzy, 
Oh, Legendary. Man, yeah. Crazy Train. That when when you hear Crazy Train, that guitar solo is just mind blowing, mm-hmm. face melting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For rock guitar players, one of the first songs they want to learn. Yeah. 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 You think of him, you know, passed away at 25 years old, the <laughs> legacy that he had what a waste in his 8 or 10 years or whatever it was that he was actually active and it's like, man, to be a guitar player that influenced that many guitar players that people sit down and I'm like, I want to pick up guitar because of what I just heard. Mm-hmm. Knowing that there's no way you're ever going to get that good. But <laughs> still. Yeah. <laughs> you can't reach God level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's only a handful of guitar players that ever reached that point. I can only hope to touch the base of the mountain. But yeah, just to go. And I mean, I, I wouldn't even necessarily say I'd have to go see him whenever... It was quite right or Ozzy. I think I would lean more towards going to the Ozzy show. Yeah, I gotta uh, go. Gotta go, Ozzy. But even just to sit there and just listen to him play, like if I could just sit in a private session and listen to him just play for twenty minutes. Yep. Nothing against Zach Wild. No, but another one of the greatest. But he even said he was like, "This all the shit Randy did, man. Just what the hell? Really hard to emulate, <laughs> and not with the yeah. same kind of flow and vibe." Yeah. So that's uh my one on the list. That's just a musician, but yeah, to see Randy Rhodes live, man, that would have been sweet. And then, like I said, you add in, if he was with Ozzy, then okay, added bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Ozzy's show would have been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we're on rock, I'll just touch on this one. I'm not going as in-depth as I was with the Eagles, but just Texas boys, one I grew up on, Pantera. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. Would have loved to have seen Pantera live. I remember driving to work, and I was listening to a country station. I think it was like 95 on the ranch or something like that. And I'm driving in my car, going to work. It's probably 8 o'clock in the morning. And the DJ got on there and was like, hey, we understand that we are a, more of a Texas country station. We play this kind of music and whatever. But because of Pantera being from Texas, because of you know their fame and everything like that, we felt that we owed our listeners to let you know that last night in a bar, I can't remember where it was actually at, where mm-hmm. it happened, but they were like, Don Bagdara was shot and killed. And I remember getting to work, and I actually had a tear running down my face. And my boss is like, is, is everything okay? Like, what what's going on? And he thought that a family member had passed away. And to me, I was like, no, but still, as one of those guys that like, damn, dude, all oh, growing up, man. I grew up with like, that. Oh. Yeah, that yeah. one that one was rough. And I mean when we lost Vinnie Paul too. Yep. That was another big one, man. Just mm, So it's like you'll never mm. have that again. Nope. Nope. So yeah, catching an original Pantera show back in the day. I thought y'all tried to go to a Pantera show and like I think we did. Something happened. But we were pretty young then, and so it was like uh, we could have tried to sneak out and go catch one, I guess, but thought we had more time. Honest to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, unfortunately, uh, how a couple of these artists on here are, mm-hmm. speaking of, you know, another one that way too soon, Buddy Holly. I was really sad when Buddy Holly died. <laughs> when I heard about that. <laughs> uh, there were songs made about it. Yes. Yes. But Buddy Holly, only active for seven years. Seven years. And to think about all the Buddy Holly songs that everybody knows. Before you get into the Buddy Holly, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. On the seven years thing, Nirvana yep. was only around for seven years. Mm-hmm. Look at the impact they had. Yep. Yeah. So I wonder if that's almost like the 21 Club, where it's like seven years. Of course, <sighs> Hendrix was only around for four. That's dude. true. Jimmy Hendrix is only four years. That's very true. Look at that. Look at still to this day, you say Jimmy Hendrix to anybody, and they know immediately who you're talking Richie about. Richie Valens was what, two years? Yeah. I think he did like a like one or two albums or like a like an album and whatever the short little album like LP or whatever it's called like this the you know like a we're good like musicians songs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that really speaks about the artist, the band, uh, to have that kind of influence out of just that short of a time. Yeah, four, four years, two years, seven years, even. To have the cultural relevance and weight that they still hold 60, 30, 20 years later. Like, I mean, it's, it's insane. Again, we're going to, I'm going to say this about listening to radio or, you know, an album or something like that, but I'm going to go back into the, the live show thing. But when that'll be the day first came on, could you imagine being in that time and listening to that and going, what is this? This is amazing. Or say you just so happen to end up at a show and they start going into That'll Be The Day or Peggy Sue or Oh Boy. Hell, we used to cover Oh Boy. We did. We used to play that all the time. That's a toe tapper. It's a a fun (laughs) song to play, man. And so, yeah, here you go. Another one that only seven years and damn, left a huge, huge legacy. So you got Buddy Holly. That's a great pull. I always always loved Buddy Holly. Who else you got? Okay, so... I know earlier I said Motorhead, and then I brought up Randy Rhodes. So somebody might would assume that I'm going to go with another metal or heavy band. Honest to God, one of my favorite groups ever that I wish I could have seen live, Roxette. Roxette? Roxette. Okay, do tell. Now, I've been around a couple of people. I'm not judging you. (laughs) I've been around a couple of people. That I've said something about Roxette, and they're like, man, I think I know that one song or two, whatever. To me, they kind of seem like that group that you would listen to a song, like, man, I really like that. That was cool. And then you hear another song, and be like, that's the same that's the same group. And then you hear another song, and be like, wait a minute, that they did that one too? And it kind of did like this chain of stuff, because must have been love. Yeah. Listen to her heart. Yes. Spending my time. Fading like a flower. Joyride, Dangerous, and Sleeping in My Car. Oh, and The Look. She's got the look, she's got the look. See, she's that's, got it's look. one of those that you know all the songs, but you but don't you know, recognize, connect the dots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, and so Roxette, man, to me was always one of those like great bands. And they were kind of a, a, power, a power duo, I guess you'd say. Where was Roxette from? They were Swedish. They were Swedish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to... Butcher his name. I do it every time, but I, cause I just can't oh, say it Because right. it's Swedish, but, and uh, you are not a Swede. Uh, per Gassel and Marie Fredrickson were the two. And they had their own solo careers, and it done great for themselves until they finally got paired up together. And despite the fact that over all the years, everybody always you know assumed that there was something between them. They weren't. They, they were married to their own respective people and had their own lives and whatever. They just were like, no, we just got along great And when it came to the music, and Pear was a phenomenal guitar player, or is he's he's still around? Um, unfortunately, uh, Mary Fredrickson she died of brain cancer, oh, a brain tumor, know. here uh, about five or six years ago. Um, 
hers just, was one of those voices like man just that amazing. was built for like arena of course must have been love most people think of it and think of pretty woman yep because that's kind of you know, the other pretty woman from and funny little story i was in my head trying to figure out what what movie that was yeah. in and funny little story was they came to them about doing a song and they didn't have time to write out a song and do whatever and so someone was like okay well we'll do must have been love well, that was actually a Christmas song. What? Yes. If you listen to the original version of it, it was actually a Christmas song. And so they were like, well, they rewrite the, the lyrics song's to it? beautiful. And they were like, yeah, it's great, but it's a Christmas song. How are we going to do it? So they went in there and just like changed like, I want to say it was like five words in the song and made it work into the song that we know now. <laughs> like just changed a few little things. Like, they didn't have to go back and even re-record the whole thing. All I was was, uh, she just went back and, like, recorded little bit parts of it to make it not be a Christmas song anymore. I'm trying to think of the Lay a whisper on my pillow. See the winter on the ground? Mm-hmm. Is that the... Li- Aha! Mm-hmm. It's a Christmas mm-hmm. song. And, yeah, like I said, just changed a few words to make it more into where it's not oh. a Christmas song. But, yeah. I mean, that's one of those songs. I believe they would call that serendipitous. That's one of those, of course, my favorite was always dangerous. No, she's a little bit dangerous. <laughs> Singing to the mic, bro. Oh, dude. No one's going to believe that we could. I love rock <laughs> People used to pay money to see us. Well, I was not the singer. You were. <laughs> I was the bass player. So I should refrain from singing <laughs> anything. But you did always try to get us to do that song, too. Dangerous. If you want to do oh, dangerous, yeah. we'd look at you and go, next. And you're like, we should totally do dangerous. I know uh <laughs> met up with some other guys uh, here not so long ago and and. We'd start a little group and uh, started doing some stuff. And I kept trying to talk to him. I was like, can we do, like, any rock set, please? Just one. Like, any any one of them, I'll do it. And everyone's like, eh, man, come on, It doesn't man. translate well into a honky-tonk. <laughs> true. Very true. I don't know. You can't listen to Must Have Been Love and not be like, okay, that's, that's a beautiful song. I think I've done it on acoustic once. <laughs> I know we've done a karaoke. That's what you have to do. Every time y'all would throw out shit to me and be like, why don't we do an Aerosmith song? And I'd be like... Steven Tyler, guys, I can't do that. Yeah, I can't. I can't. can't okay, well, but how about we do Bon Jovi? Again, John Bon Jovi, I can't sing that. It's no. like, translate it to acoustic and we can pull it off. Yeah. Um, so, rock set. So, rock set. The second highest selling of all time Swedish band next to. Swedish band, Swedish band, Swedish band. Uh, ABBA? Mm hmm. Ah! Score one for Kenny. Man, yeah. Hard. Hard one to follow, like yeah, Abba. <laughs> but definitely had their in their own I right. I guess we'll throw in that we'd both like to catch an Abba show. I, but they're all still around, so I mean, I guess technically could possibly happen. Yeah, but we're kind of talking about heyday, though, right? Like, I thought we were trying to do just like bands you could never see again because no, no, you're right, disbanded for for good or somebody passed away or you know whatever it was. Those were the rules. Yeah. So, but yep. Roxette had a great uh, great run on the charts for different things. Yeah. Speaking of being top selling, I think mm-hmm. it's time we do the thing. It, it gives me a good segue. All right, let's All do right, it. Let's do it. Time for Search Engine Results. This part of the show, I ask the all-powerful internet a question. I then give Keith three answers, and he has to guess the right one as given to me by our good friend, the internet. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to play, Keith? Always. All right, man. Here is the question. All Keeping right. with the theme of tonight. So, I Would Do Anything for Love was Meatloaf's only number one chart-topping song. Okay. Bit of a crime. Yeah, I agree, but okay, okay. Here's the question. 
How many weeks did it spend at number one on the U.S. charts? Oh. Oh, man. I feel like I probably should know this. It was A, three weeks, B, five weeks, or C, seven weeks. Okay. How long it stayed? Number one How on long the U.S. charts. Was I would do anything for love at the top of the U.S. charts. Oh. Three, five, or seven? Or D, not long enough. Or D, not. <laughs> the answer is D. <laughs> you got it, um, buddy. I, I'm, I'm going to go big and I'm, I'm going to say seven. Close, but no cigar was five weeks, ah, which okay. is still a damn good run. Well, run. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was five weeks, number one. Yeah. Hmm. So that sucker was up there for a month, buddy. Like I said, still, I remember being a kid and watching that video and just being like memorized by, of course, that was the first time I'd ever heard the term rock opera. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's That's right exactly on. what it was. Exactly what it was, and it was amazing. <laughs> whether or not, you know, people listening, whether or not they were Meatloaf fans, still, I think if anybody gives it a real listen, they'll agree that, no, there's never going to be a dude that could sing like that. Mm-mm. And they put on that That, that kind of show. performance where it almost killed them every night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they talked about, yeah, having to keep oxygen tanks backstage because he would like walk off stage and just collapse because there's this guy that you know he was overweight for much of his career um and he's running all over the place being crazy putting on this just insane show and singing his ass off and performing and you know him and him and the girls that he had that were the backup singers they'd be getting into it he'd be in with all the band members and just going playing crazy. off of each other and it, oh yeah and just putting on this like i said an entire show energy on the stage gave you yeah. energy in the and crowd so, yeah they said there was plenty of times that he would walk off stage and basically collapse hmm. because he was like <sighs> he gave it his all yep gave it everything every night brings me to my last pick okay segueing into that with a uh, giving it all on stage we have some overseas listeners. Mm-hmm. We see that. Mm-hmm. A lot in the United States. Don't know how well-versed in Western music you are, but there's an artist that you should check out that sums up a lot of how good it can be, mm-hmm. that genre of music. Yeah. And to be able to see his live performances would have been a treat. And I'm going with the great Chris Ledoux. Oh, yeah, dude. Mm. Chris Ledoux, that was one of the, I can honestly say, listening to Chris Ledoux's music was one of the reasons I really started getting into wanting to play guitar, mm-hmm. was listening to Chris Ledoux. Oh yeah, uh, Cadillac Cowboy is still in my cycle of getting pumped up for, like if I'm going for a run, mm-hmm. Cadillac Cowboy is in there, <laughs> next to a whole different array of music, but that's in there. So, you know, he is responsible, and Garth Brooks will admit this. For giving him the ideas and the energy to do those live shows that he did in the 90s that fill in Madison Square Gardens. He'll say, you know, it's like, I would go watch Chris Ledoux live. And he was jumping off of amps and he was swinging guitars around him. And it was... It was like a rock show, but it was country western. Yes. And he still incorporated the rock guitars Mm -hmm. and, and rock drums and energy. But with some of the best storytelling country lyrics that have ever made it onto the page, onto the record, mm-hmm. and into our ears. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, what you were saying about with him and Garth, who, uh, from what I understand, uh, became really, really good friends up until the day Chris passed. And 
Garth even did a tribute song to him, mm-hmm. if you remember, called Good Rad Catboy. And, like, you, you think about a lot of times when somebody does a tribute song to somebody, it's probably going to be something very sweet, very passionate, slow, whatever. No, Good Rad Catboy was just a honky-tonk, It was a upbeat, fun song. whatever, because he was like, that's what my buddy would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Chris Ledoux brought the credibility, I think, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. This guy was an actual bronc rider, a rodeo cowboy. Yeah. Who, yeah. He would be in the rodeo during the day and then get up on stage and play the after party rodeo show, sets. whatever, after he'd been riding <laughs> all day. <laughs> so, yeah, not only not, not only a great uh, act and talent, but also got a bit of a all-around, all-around guy. Yeah, he could do it all. Yeah. Very talented. Yeah. I, I, the the flavor brought for that real heritage that he would sing about was so genuine that you believed every single word. It was mm-hmm. not at mm-hmm. any point could you say that was a manufactured, built in a cubicle country song out of Nashville. This was real deal, genuinely felt heart spoken, put on the page on a pen and paper while he was driving down the road, and you know, it lived it. It was it was lived in. Every song mm-hmm. felt lived mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And needs more credit than has been given due. Dude, Bareback Jack, Life is a Highway. Yeah. And Everybody's do- heard Life, of the Hi- Life is a Highway, maybe not necessarily his version. But you've heard a version of it. But you've heard a version of it, for sure. Hope you ever watched a Cars movie, you've heard a version of it. <laughs> and could do those songs that were, like I said, very very rock-driven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Country lyrics, rock-driven. But they could turn right and down and do a song like Tougher Than the Rest. Oh, yeah. Or This Cowboy's Hat. Mm-hmm. And almost bring a tear to your eye. Touching on what yeah. you said earlier about like yeah. the, the, just the crowd shifts into like awe, you know, like oh man, that is that's a special being at special an hour, song. An hour long show of his would be fifty minutes of just fast paced, mm-hmm. up and going, full blown, whatever, and then ten minutes of almost tear jerking. Love songs. Um, love songs or, yeah. Yeah. I would say you, I believed every word mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. coming through the the speakers. Yeah. And to, and to catch a live show and like ending it with Stampede with those drums. Oh, yeah. just You know, just that is high energy, mm-hmm. man. And it jazzes me up even thinking mm-hmm, about it. And I'm mm-hmm. damn sad that I missed that place in time. But then to go from, like I said, Stampede and then you go into, like you said, tougher than the rest, man. Yeah. Look at you, girl. Tougher. Tougher Than The Rest is, to me, one of, like, the most beautiful, true love songs. Like, mm-hmm. that's just him pouring his heart out and, like, here it is, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another great one, dude. Chris Ledoux. Man. Cadillac mm-hmm. Ranch bumps, too, mm-hmm. buddy. It starts off with that guitar mm-hmm. that sounds like something out of a metal song or genre. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those unique artists that a lot of them today, I think, owe a lot of the... He laid the foundation, and they owe a lot of what they've built on top of what Chris Ledoux was able to do. Agreed. As far as being able to bring a show that many, many, many years before that was somebody standing on a stage, Grand Old Opry style, just singing. Mm-hmm. You know? And he was able to change it into something completely different that filled stadiums. Yeah. That you would go to this going, what What am I What am I watching? What is going on here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah. And like I said, and to think that we have Garth Brooks stadium country mm-hmm. arena built off of that. Like I said, he laid the groundwork for that. Mm-hmm. So credit needs to be given where credit is due to Mr. Chris Ledoux is my final pick for a show I would have liked to have seen live. That would have been a good one, man. Mm-hmm. 
been a real great I believe great in it. One. Well, sir, been an interesting back and forth today again. Mm-hmm. We want to thank mm-hmm. everybody for listening along. This was fun to to think about, man, all these artists, all these bands, all these groups or individuals. Um, yeah. There's been so much good music put mm-hmm. out over the past hundred years that, I mean, so many, so many. We could, we could do this show for hours and oh, not even touch yeah. on any of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we could bring in multiple people that would give a whole new look on yeah. the reasons why they would like to see these groups. Different perspective is what yep. makes it a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And speaking of beautiful things, we want to thank all of you beautiful things for joining us for this conversation today. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful things. The Thanks. beautiful people. The beautiful people. Thanks for listening to The Random Men. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified whenever we drop a new episode. And if you'd be so kind, drop down and leave us a rating and review. We really do look forward to hearing your feedback and ideas for future episodes. Until next time, I'm Kenny. I'm Keith. And we would do anything for love, but we won't do that. Mm-hmm.